from tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and skyworn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app, Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel, Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator, Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser, Phil Johnson. All right, hey, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, thanks for checking us out. Be sure to go to stormfrontfreaks.com and access our library of previous shows. We got some famous guests from the weather industry on those. But tonight, this is episode 57, and we have finally decided to let legendary Alabama TV meteorologist James Spann through the gate as our guest tonight. Uh, So welcome, James. Uh, we'll, We'll be talking with him about a number of things, including his favorite topic, unified weather communications, and uh, we'll, we'll really talk about if that's uh, a pipe dream or not. And uh, you got to stick around for our lightning round we have in store for James as he finally gets a taste of the freaks. And, of course, our WX Resources, Weather Fools, and always much, much more. But before we get to that, hey, I want to first off uh, thank a couple of our listeners, Brett Epstein and Gabe Cox, for providing our new intro and outro music for the show that you'll actually hear beginning with this episode. So we've got those uh, for you as well. So I just want to give them a shout out and a thank you. And if you are weather freaks like us, don't forget to check out all the latest weather-themed fashions and accessories at helicitydesigns.com. And while you're there, check out the exclusive line of Stormfront Freaks podcast shirts, hats, drinking containers he's got new options that that he's adding on a regular basis but the key is you can get a five percent discount on your entire order when you use the code podcast at checkout so that's p-o-d-c-a-s-t use that code at checkout you'll get a five percent discount on everything in your cart you can find that all at helicitydesigns.com so james the way we introduce our team is it's always happy hour here, so we just have people step up to the Stormfront Freaks bar, and uh, we're going to find out, MJ, what, do you, what are you drinking there in wet central Minnesota tonight? Yes, it is a little damp around here and a little hot, too, so I have a uh, smooth, refreshing Kugel's Canoe Paddler, one of their uh, summer uh, offerings. Mm. Paddler. Say that paddler. name again. Say that name again. Kugel's Canoe Paddler. <laughs> we, we say lineys, but yeah. Okay. Lake water. Very good. All right, Maz. Uh, hey, great job on, on uh, moderating the show last episode, but uh, you're drinking something you other than a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I still have like scars from now. What, what are you drinking, brother? Okay, thanks. Hey, I got a Rheingeist Cougar because I've Ooh. reached that age. I'm just saying. <laughs> 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 However you want. Oh, God. Good. Well, quite good. good. Good for you. Good for you. Brady, uh, what, what are you drinking tonight, sir? Well, Phil, first of all, I have to say, oh, you said let excuse. James through the gates like he's been begging to get on our show since episode one. It's an <laughs> honor that he yes. is on our show. Okay, <laughs> Phil? It's, it's an honor. I'm it drinking is. some white wine tonight, okay? I'm on a diet. You know, I'm, I'm sticking to some. I was just in Napa Valley. They told me wine was good for you, so I'm drinking white wine. No, the, the funny thing is it's taken us 57 episodes to actually invite him on. 
Uh, so that that's clearly uh, clearly my fault. But that was the joke of like being fake gatekeepers because there is no such thing. But Dina, what are you drinking tonight? Almost the same as Brady. I've got the wine thing today, uh, Merlot. But uh, I have been drinking for a little while, so. Oh, well, good right. for you. Are you working early. tomorrow morning? All right. I do. I do work tomorrow. You do? Okay. All yeah. right. Well, well, we'll try and get through tonight. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you just keep it and you can uh, do a great job of introducing our esteemed guest. Wonderful. Tonight we introduce James Spann. He is the chief meteorologist for ABC 3340 in Birmingham, Alabama. And all James has been uh, a television weather anchor for over 36 years. Along the way, he's worked for WSFA in Montgomery, uh, KDFW in Dallas, and two other stations in Birmingham. He is a multiple Emmy winner. James has received the two highest awards in the nation for broadcast meteorologists. One is the Broadcaster of the Year by NWA, and the other was the AMS, which is the um, Award for Broadcast Meteorology. He's a panelist on the Weather Brains podcast, and he's also earned his first ham radio license at the age of 14 and holds an extra class license. So, James, kind of a slacker, man. (laughs) <laughs> but you know, honor, honor to honor to be here i'm so glad because uh, i mean tonight was even my night off i'm like no i gotta talk to james but you were saying before the show that you have like an 18 hour day so what's your day like when you come in well you know i, I think doesn't everybody on this show work long hours i don't know anybody yes. that works some yeah. normal day shift that doesn't exist anymore i uh, do not meteorology well maybe him uh, but yeah, it, you know, the, the core of the problem when, when I was young, like you guys, um, and by the way, I have underwear older than everybody on this show, which is, uh, uh, but when, when I was young, um, Thank you. all I worried about was being on television at night. And now, I mean, let's, let's be real. Who's going to stay up and watch the late news to get the weather because where do they get it right here? And so this never turns off never. And therefore that puts us in a 24 hour cycle and, trying to keep up with that. You just sleep whenever you can. And, and on a typical weekday, uh, I get up at four 52, which is a little early for me, maybe not for you guys, but, Yikes. uh, um, I, I get home at midnight and, wow. uh, well, Wait, I, you're I, getting I, up at four 52 and you're going home at midnight. Yep. I, and, and you know, I need some time to wind down. I just can't go to sleep when I right. go home. So I, I go to bed about one o'clock and get up at four 52 and, and, that's not working. It's not, I know something bad's going to happen on the back end here with this, but it is what it is. And to do this job, right. You kind of have to be in that position, but in the morning I do all the work at home. I've got a green wall and I do, I do a hit on the TV, uh, c- commercial television from the house and do the blog and the videos and all the digital stuff. And, and I still speak in schools every day, every day during the school year. Uh, wow. Every day, every wow. single day, so, sometimes two a day. Cause that's important. I mean, that, that is a win-win, you know, nice. I, I love kids. They energize me. I love, I would be a third grade science teacher if I didn't do this. And I love that. So that's energizing. And then you come up here and work the night shift. You know, th- this job is like one to 11. So, uh, but, but, you know, I, I get to do what I love. And if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So I am very, I am very blessed. Or you know, I'm, I'm disappointed that you're, you're not getting up at 4:51 and you're waiting until 4:52. Yeah, that that's pretty lame. Lame. Well, let Let me ask you this because I think it ties in, James. You're you're known to always talk about the role of the of the traditional TV meteorologist and that that role is kind of dying. 
So working those kind of hours, what, what do you think that new frontier is if that traditional role is going away? Well, I, I think for the young people, and a lot of, uh, I'm sure younger people listen to this show that want to do meteorology professionally, maybe they're in high school or college, I think it's, it's an exciting time for them. Uh, th it is changing like a meteor streaking through the night. It will never be Brick Tamlin and Ron Burgundy, mm -hmm, which is basically mm -hmm. what we're still doing. I mean, we, we here we are in 2018 when I walk in that studio in, in an hour or so and do the late news. It's Brick Tamlin and Ron Burgundy, but it will change into something that will be relevant to the next generation. Uh, the, the nice thing about what we do, everybody's got a screen. Um, so our like newspapers, their whole platforms going away. That's not happening with us. Uh, but I, I think what we need to do right now is to build a loyal audience, a loyal following that trusts you, that understands you. They know that you're there when the weather's dangerous and life-threatening, and that relationship will pay off in the new world, whatever the new world happens to be. And we do know that, that phones are limited. I mean, come on. The, you, you've heard my term before probably, and I don't know what you call them, but most of these phone apps are crap apps. They're, they're based on model output statistics. Nobody looks at it. They don't perform well. And, and at some point, people get fed up with that, and they want to take it deeper, and they, they need somebody to talk them through active weather. And that's the purpose that we serve, and the, the need will always be there. So, and, and a lot of people, you know, that they talk bad about this, you know, the young kids coming up, the college kids. I think they're brilliant. I'm excited about this next generation. So I think they're going to do fine, but it will never, ever be the same thing I'm doing today. Where do you think it's headed? Just all mobile? Well, you know, the, again, the, our, our model, m most of my income is still derived from television. The same thing I've been doing for 40 years, 40 years this month on television. Yeah. But, but having said that, that all these people that are watching these products and services on television are old and they're going to die off in the next 10 to 15, 20 years. And I don't think that we're going to replace it with the younger generation because they use exclusively their phone. And that's fine. It's no, no big deal. They're just looking at it on a mobile device. But what's going to happen, we're going to have to take these blocks that we have, these 30-minute blocks, and turn it into something that's relevant to them. And it will not be what we do right now. Uh, it's got to be better storytelling. It's got to be. And I think the news people have to think out of the box as well. They got the same problem we do because people get news on their phones. And I don't have a good answer. Nobody has the answer for that. But uh, what I think we have to do, and there's no way to monetize it, is to develop a, a healthy relationship with the world across every platform, whether it's social or whatever else. But that means spending time on the face bag and the Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and the Snapchat. And that's very controversial. Some people hate it and they don't want to deal with it. I do because I think developing that relationship is important. And when you've got that big mass of people that follow you, they, they will carry over to the new format, whatever it happens to be. And again, I'm telling you, when tornadoes start flying, they'll find you. The, the problem we have is that tornadoes only happen even in tornado prone markets like this, what, maybe, you know, 20 days out of the year. So what do you do on the other days? That's what we have to figure out. But, but I'm telling you, they will find you on those days when the weather is really, really active and really, really dangerous. So how obviously you, you've been in Alabama for quite a while. Where, where did you get James, your national following? How did that start? Was that all social media mostly? Yeah, you know, it's 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 odd. We, we started doing this podcast thing. Uh, uh, what year is this? Twenty is it, uh, twelve years ago, two thousand six. Oh, wow, and, wow. So we've been doing weather brains since for twelve years. And and what I needed was a, I desperately needed a creative outlet because everything I do is really structured, and every human being needs a creative outlet. 
and I we and I saw uh, Adam Curry and some of these guys, uh, you know, launching some of these shows, and I'm thinking, okay, we can do this. And so, we I never intended on it to be something that people would actually listen to or watch, but <laughs> I think part of it is that early adopter kind of thing on the podcasting side, and the other thing, it's the social media thing, and and then we where I'm in a tornado prone market and there's a lot of weather weenies in the country that just love, you know, the, the sexy, severe thunderstorm tornado type stuff. That's me. They don't love people being hurt, but they love right. the science behind it, which is what we, we all, you know, that's where we all are, I think. And uh, so they are attracted to people that maybe work in places like Oklahoma city and Birmingham in these tornado markets. And I think that's part of it. And then we had a, uh, generation lap break here in 2011. Um, and again, a lot of people started paying attention to what goes on here after that. Mm -hmm. And that brought a lot of people into weather brains. And it's just, I, I don't know, I have no idea, but I, so, I think half the deal is being an early adopter on everything. Sure. Get in there so, early. My, my lead up to that is, is, you know, you've won some great awards. You've, you've got national following. My question is why, because I'm sure you've gotten plenty of offers and invites why, why have you decided to stay in Alabama? It's the greatest weather market in the world. I mean, yeah. I am not in this to be in a big market. And, and, and the deal is when I was uh, 27, um, I was transferred to Dallas, to Channel 4, KDFW. That's, you know, top 10 market, one of the largest markets in the country. I filled in on the CBS Morning News. It did all that big market stuff. And it really didn't appeal to me. I love Dallas. I made some marvelous friends there that, that, that are friends for life. I cherish that. And I enjoyed my time there, but the diversity of what you get here in this market, it's second to none. Uh, we get the tornadoes and the severe storms, which is what we're known for. We get winter storms, ice storms. Uh, uh, sure. but the, thing, the, uh -huh. the thing we also get is the tropical stuff. You get hurricanes and tropical storms. Mm -hmm. And ha having that diversity for somebody that loves weather, which is the reason I do this, it's just the best. So. Uh, I look at Oklahoma City and Gary England and what he's done over the years. Gary doesn't really deal with tropical out there when he was doing weather. He didn't get that. You look mm -hmm. at Tom Skilling in Chicago. He didn't get the tropical side of it. So we, I'm just blessed to be in a strange position to where you get everything. And that's the main reason I've stayed here. I, I think I was born to be standing in front of a green wall in <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> Plus, it seems, it seems to be like you really have and when you're in a local market compared to national market it seems like you have a real rapport with people with the people you live with pretty much you know the people who live in your neighborhood yeah i you know i talk a lot with uh ginger z about the differences and you know ginger came from local television and, and she's in that national position and i'm in a local position and, and they're both marvelous they, there's advantages and disadvantages to both but i do love having that where you're, you're you're blended into the community you're blended into the culture especially when you've been here as long as i've been here I, i'm old as dirt Again, <laughs> I, I, I started doing the weather here in the late 1970s and uh it you know you, you're on your third generation of kids teaching them science in school and it, it's just a marvelous kind of thing and and I look back on it and I'll think about the relationships and the friendships and uh, that that's all very special. But, but again, the most important thing is when tornadoes start flying, uh, they're going to turn to this channel and they're going to expect me to be there in front of that green wall, look them in the eyes and know exactly, exactly what they need to know. You, you cannot, you cannot forecast the weather successfully on television. If you don't understand the culture, the geography mm -hmm. and the people. You, right. you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And if you stay in a place for a long time, you can figure that out. Now, do you have a green screen in your house? 
Yes. Uh, my wife is very loving and forgiving. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 I mean, you know, green, chroma key green is puke green. It's just yeah. pure puke, nasty green. <laughs> Goes with no, everything. <laughs> nobody in their right mind would put that in a home decor setting, you know? I mean, uh, Where is so it? What? Basement? Uh, no, it's, it's upstairs, oddly enough, not in the basement. It's upstairs. Uh, we built one more house where my next moves to the cemetery, but in this house, uh, I've got an upstairs office with, uh, uh, everything I need up there to do these kind of shows and to do television. I'm, I'm on television in the morning here and, uh, it's great. And, and I've got AT&T gigabit fiber, the gigabit. There you go. The, nice. The big so how pipe. are you getting your weather graphics and things if you're at home? Uh, I don't do traditional weather when I'm at home. Uh, there's still a meteorologist here in the building at, at the television station where, where I'm located now. I, they bring me in as the stooge. They bring me as the PT Barnum guy because I see. what 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 I do. I get so much content from people. Uh, for example, tonight since we've been on the show, I've probably gotten over 200 pictures. 200 just since we've been talking here. Oh, really? And I, wow. I've got all this user generated content. This that's across all the platforms, not just Twitter, but all the other ones. And I'll take a lot of user-generated content and talk about it, maybe using it as a teaching moment, maybe using it um, you know, to explain something I've not been able to explain for a while, or to be just a wise guy, you know, a knucklehead. Uh, you know, so mm -hmm. th our, our morning show is kind of sanitized, and they, they, they're afraid to get out of the lines, and I don't care. I, I don't know anything <laughs> about television. I don't know any boundaries, and I think people appreciate that. I, I've had no training in radio or tv or any of this stuff my, my, my first major was electrical engineering mm -hmm. uh, so uh nice. anyway they, they just bring me in as the knucklehead guy man you got the pipes though what a you voice sure yeah, do. you sure no, do no 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 what you need to do is go to youtube and uh search james span 1974 you'll you'll see where i came from <laughs> uh i am from rural south alabama i mean you don't even want to know where i was from if so ever, you if used to have the accent you ever heard of Forrest Gump? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Forrest Gump was from Greenbow, Alabama. I know the guy that wrote that book. His name is Winston Groom, and uh, I'm on a board with him at a college here. And I asked him, did you pattern Greenbow after Greenville? He said, absolutely. Greenville is where I'm from. It's in the southern part of the state. But that 1974 video was horrible. I was in high school, and I sounded and looked like a greaser. Um, <laughs> and... It, it's taken a long time and it never goes away. You just have to kind of hide it. There's a fine line between, you know, having your background and who you are show up, but at the same time, you got to be professional. So it's taken a long time and I still work on it every day. It's a struggle. So James, so, you, you mentioned your love for weather. Talk about that. Where did that come from? You know, was it an event? Was it, you know, we always ask that question ever on the show. Well, I, you know, again, in, in the summer down there in, in the woods, th this is a shocker. Uh, when I was growing up, we didn't have these. Uh, we had no Xbox, no PlayStation, no Fortnite, <laughs> no nothing. What did you do, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a shock. Yep. Electricity? Uh, Electricity yeah. and water ba and plumbing? Ba barely, barely. But we, we just, in the, on the summer days, we go play in the woods all day. And uh, every day in the summer down here, we have these air mass thunderstorms, uh, which we still do. And I was fascinated. You know, I just loved those things. I absolutely fell in love with them. So my first love of weather started with random afternoon convection. But I had one of those sentinel events in my life when I was in second grade down there. My father abandoned me and my mom. I am a fatherless child. He walked out one night and never came back. He never said goodbye, have a nice life, or see you later. He was gone. Never told me he loved me. To this day, I don't know if he did. And so we would have to move me and my mom. I, I bet you I'm the only, only child on this show. 
uh, I have no brothers and no sisters. It was me and my mom and we were broke and we were hurting and, uh, she needed to finish one more year of college to get a job to teach. And they didn't make any money, but we, we had to do something. So we would move to Tuscaloosa when I started fifth grade and Tuscaloosa is the weather capital of the universe. And I grew up as an older child in Tuscaloosa in the decade of the seventies, which was unstinking believable. Um, I saw things that changed my life. The, the biggest was the super outbreak of 1974. Um, and I was a senior in high school that year. And my hobby was ham radio. I mean, I, hey, I was cool, man. I, I had a phone in my car in 1974, <laughs> thanks to the magic of the old auto patch on the repeater. But, they, you know, there were no cell phones and they had a desperate need for communicators to come in and set up ham radio gear. So they allowed me three days off from school to volunteer and my first assignment was at a small hospital in a small town that was very, very hard hit. And for some reason, I don't know to this day why they did that. They put me in the emergency room and the graphic nature of the people, the, the wounds of those that came in that night. Um, I, I have never talked about it publicly and I've never talked about it privately, not even to my wife. I had night terrors for several years and uh, I guess I had to experience that. I was 17 years old and, and, all of this stuff in the 70s really, really, really gelled it for me. But I still didn't know that it was a viable career option. But again, I, I think what cemented the thing was growing up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama in the decade of the 70s. And having, having a cold radio. Pulse. <laughs> yeah, the, the ham, ham radio, radio. Did, ham radio was huge. My, my uh, I, I can't tell you the importance of that. It gave me some friends. I had no friends. I didn't know anybody. I, I was an introvert. I didn't trust people. Quite frankly, I hated people. The thing with my dad really affected me pretty heavily, but I made some good friends, started going to Hamfest. My mom would get me there somehow. She, sometimes I'd ride a bus. It was a different world back then. And I'd be on the nets every night working CW nets. I, I was the Morse code guy. And oh, you were? The, okay. The, uh, I, w I was working those high-speed CW traffic nets, and I, I, was, I was doing 40, 50 words a minute. Wow. And um, got my extra class license when I was in high school. That got me into storm spotting. Uh, I took one yeah. of the very early classes. This is really before Doswell and Moeller and all the stuff we, we, we've had in, in the last 30 years. And that got me into it. So the ham radio thing was a very important part of that. And quite frankly, it's still a very important hobby today. It, it's I'm, I'm telling you guys, hmm. one day the EMP is going to happen. <laughs> one, one day something's going to happen. You're going to pick up your phone hey, and it doesn't work. James, and, uh, the, we've talked about this in the past. H ham radio operators, they're getting older. Um, is that a, do you think that's a dying breed and, and what's, what's going to be the challenge if it is? Yeah, I, you know, I, I totally agree. I mean, if you look at the ham radio population, they're, they're older, the young people now have cell phones and, and I understand that times change that, that look, they've got everything they need. They've got Snapchat, you know, they've got all these things and it's marvelous, but, uh, something will probably have, it's never going to go away. And, and there are some young people in ham radio, not, not that many, but there are some young people. But one day we're going to have something. I don't know what it's going to be, some sentinel event, mm -hmm. whether it's a, an, a nuclear detonation, whether it is an EMP, wh whether it's natural or man-made. And that's going to draw everybody back in because you're going to realize that phone doesn't always work. And by springing right. up a wire in your attic, uh, a simple copper wire, and with some fairly inexpensive equipment, you can communicate with somebody in California, mm -hmm. in China, in South America. There's a very sexy appeal to that. And still to me this day, it's magic. And I absolutely love it. So the, the hobby's never going to go away. There's a very strong organization, the American Radio Relay League. A lot of weather weenies have their ham license and uh, they use it extensively in the field. But uh, yeah, we, it, it will survive and it will be needed one day in a very serious way. 
they right, have that perfect. a lot in the movies too, don't they? You know, when uh, everything goes goes down, right. the ham we're radio gonna operators we're are gonna saving save the world. Save the world. Everybody's yeah. going to be my best friend. They're going <laughs> to come to my house because I got a radio that works. Like when, James, we're coming over. Yeah, all, I'm in Georgia. On. I'm not far. When all else fails. <laughs> Now, yep. James, you know, everybody loves you when you have your own bobblehead and memes. Have you guys seen all these? Oh. They're oh, amazing. I have to see some, I need um, more memes. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know who makes this stuff. I have no idea. I, I have no earthly Someone's idea. Someone's making money off your likeness. They're right? funny. Oh, man. <laughs> they're, 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 you've seen the, the James Spann is my homeboy t-shirts? Those things. <laughs> I, see, I, I, was, I was in uh, Denver uh, at a, at a baseball game and saw some knucklehead wearing one. He came up, wanted to get a picture with me. I'm thinking, what, what, what is this? This makes no sense at all. But you know, again, that's fine. And to, to be successful, you do have to have a little bit of PT Barnum in you these days. Uh, and you know, if they want to do that, that's great. I'm, I'm honored. There's a bunch of memes. So listen, <laughs> last episode, we got into a discussion about the, the research pioneers, like, like the late, Tim Samaras and the Vortex Project and 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 the conversation was a little bit about is is there what's the future of tornado advanced warnings it, can it get better than it is now uh, with more data and and can we ever get to a point to where we can tell a, a town or a community with enough notice to even possibly evacuate um, to get out I, I mean. Can we get better that, than where we are now? That, that's a social science question. Social science question. That, that's the question I have for the social scientist. How much lead time is too much lead time? Uh, because if you give people too much lead time, they might do something that's a bad choice. I don't have the answer to that. That's going to come from the social science side of it. But I'll tell you guys right now, this is where we desperately need help. And, and for these large, violent tornadoes that, that are killing most of these people, the, the physical science is pretty darn good, thanks to these brilliant men and women mm. in this science that have over the years. And, and a lot of you know that one of my mentors and one of my heroes is Chuck Doswell, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and Al Mohler. And I still miss Al and I, I just loved hearing him talk. And, you know, I got to know him when I was in Dallas, but my, my challenge to those men and women in, in it now in the research side, I need some help with EF zeros and EF ones. Uh, these were not that good. It's whack-a-mole. It is absolute whack-a-mole, and those things can hurt people, and they can kill people, but if we try and catch them, the false alarm ratio goes so high that it will ruin the system when we have that big EF4, EF5, mm -hmm. and I will tell you what happened here in 2011, and, and again, on that day, just for those that don't recall the day, we've had so many you know, fairly big events. In my state alone that day, we had 62 tornadoes that killed 252 people, and these were precious people that died. And one of the things I'm trying to do in my old age, I want to memorize the names of all of them. I'm about halfway there. Um, but, but that, but listen, y'all, that was easy from, from the physical science side, issuing warnings for those tornadoes was pretty darned easy. Any third grader could basically look at what was going on here and, and see that these were supercell storms and you could see the hook and you can see a debris ball. And this was before, you know, we had dual pole here, but it was not that hard. The, the problem we have, it's on days like we had uh, last month, an EF1 tornado hit a mobile home in a community north of here. And we're very lucky that nobody was killed, that it could have been very easily, but the tornado did not have a warning. 
And, and if we try and catch those things, all of a sudden, it is whack-a-mole. You warned for this. You warned for that. You warned for this. You warned for that. That forces me on television because there's a very aggressive, severe weather market. And before you know it, people are just lulled to sleep. They hear warnings all the time. Nothing ever happens. And they won't do anything. It's the cry wolf syndrome. So I need help from the research side on dealing with uh, EF0s and EF1s. How do we handle that? My opinion now is that we issue severe thunderstorm warnings for them and mission in the text of the warning, mm -hmm. this storm is capable of producing a small tornado that would not last long. And be aware of that. You want to go to a safe place anyway. But I, I still think we can advance it further. And we're down here in the land of QLCS tornadoes. Mm -hmm. It's a nightmare, total nightmare. Uh, many of these things are late at night. They're low topped, liter literally under the radar. They last for maybe one or two minutes yeah. in a line. The signatures are weak and ill-defined, and we're just not that good. And we have Vortex Southeast going on right now, which is a marvelous project, and we're hoping that some good will come out of that for the practitioners like me that, that will help us in the future. Tell everybody about Vortex Southeast. You know, our, our tornadoes are different, and uh, all the research over the years has been focused on Oklahoma and Kansas, and, and it should be. that that's, that, that's the weather world capital over there. You know, Norman is – the weather center of the universe. And, and that's great. But those are drier storms that are low precipitation. Uh, the air mass is much different. Down here, we have the HP storms uh, that are typically rain-wrapped. And we have tremendous impact with orographics, with terrain. We are in the southern end of the Appalachian Mountains here. A lot of people don't know it. In our state, we, our peak elevation here is 2407 uh, mm -hmm. in the northeastern part of the state. What role do the mountains have with the storms in terms of strengthening them, enhancing the updraft, responsible for dissipation? Uh, all these questions we have. So for a series of years, we'll have teams in from Oklahoma and SSL, from UAH, which is the organization up in Huntsville that's kind of, you know, coordinating things here to study these southeastern storms. Uh, what makes them different? What what? makes them intensify rapidly why do they fall apart why does one supercell produce a tornado and another one does not and we're going to get a whole bunch of answers i think it's going to be a few years before it all comes back but again it is a grunt is a guy down here in the trenches i'm very excited i'm on the steering committee and i go to a lot of the functions and uh, some of the men and women are just brilliant that are working on this project brilliant researchers and i can't wait to get the data back Maz, save, save that question. We, we've got uh, Karen Kasiba coming on here uh, in a few episodes as well, so she'll, mm. uh, he'll, she'll have some good insight awesome. on that. So uh, let's do this. Um, how, how can listeners find you and follow you on social media, James? We'll try and get some of those followers back for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my, my feelings are crushed. I, I lost 12,000 Twitter followers wow. today. Wow. And, and the purge, the Twitter purge. <laughs> the Twitter purge. I saw that movie. Yeah, <laughs> they, uh, you know, they, they, they deleted all these fake accounts today. And, uh, so anyway, on, on my, it's just my last name. It's span with two N's S P A N N. And, uh, on uh, face bag, it's facebook.com slash James span. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash span, but that's my just profile, but the, 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 all the contents on James span, uh, and on Instagram, it's SpanWX, and on uh, Snapchat, it's SpanWX. And uh, you'll, you'll see it. Right. You'll see a hodgepodge of uh, content over there. You have you'll, the you'll best <laughs> feed. I follow you on both Facebook and Twitter, and you have the best videos every day. Well, it, it people send me this stuff. I'm basically an aggregation type service, if you will. I, I take all this input from people 
and I try and put out the best material that, that I've got and received from them during the day. And, um, you know, I, I just get some, I've got some followers around the country and some of the stuff I get is just stunning. It's just really, really good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, and you'll get goofy stuff too. The, the Instagram thing, uh, the song of the night, that's my favorite. We do that every night. I, and again, I've got a nightly creative outlet after my little weather segment, I go wild. So there you go. Weather Late gone night. wild. Late night with James Spann. All right. Well, Hey, it's time for our lightning round. Uh, this is our game show of brilliant questions for our guest. Uh, brilliant. See, if, if, I, if I don't know the answer, I'm blowing the fog. See, I've got, I've got my weather brain soundboard. I, I was not going to touch that, but good. We like it though. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we always invite everybody to play along as we play this, <laughs> but uh, James tonight with you, uh, because obviously you've been in Alabama for, for many years, uh, having to warn the public of approaching storms and forecasting what their weather's like. You got to know Alabama pretty good. So tonight we're going to play a little Alabama high or low. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you uh, some scenarios or, or some locations. And I'm going to give you a number. And all you have to do is explain is, is the number I just gave you is the real number higher or lower? Because I'm not going to give you the correct number. Does that kind of make sense? You'll, you'll, you'll pick up here on this very first one. I'll tell the freaks, they're, they're more than welcome to kind of play along here as, as uh, we go and maybe give you some advice, but they don't live in Alabama, so I don't know if I would trust them or not. <laughs> yeah. What's the prize, Phil? What's the prize? prize? So, yeah, and what, James, what, do you, what do you win here? I mean, you yeah. win, With us, you win pride. You win a lot of pride <laughs> yes. if, if you do well. Nice. That's, you that's get what a cougar. it comes down to. I have another <laughs> 20 ruler right here I could send. So the first one, here, here's the first one, James. So the number of Waffle House locations in Alabama. Uh, is I'm going to say 300, but is the real number higher or lower than 300? Lower. It's wow. actually higher. It, wow. There's 381. Wow. 381 Waffle Houses wow. in Alabama, and it's the state that has the most Waffle Houses, by the way. Oh. Wow. You, you learn a lot on this show. There you go. <laughs> nothing nothing yeah. about weather, but we you do learn too. a lot about Waffle other things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Next one. Uh, number of Whataburger locations in Alabama. Whataburger. Uh, I'm going to say 20, but is the real number higher or lower than 20? Ooh. Ah, it depends on what markets they're in here. Uh, I, I, I would say the number is higher. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that is incorrect. It's actually 16. I love yeah. Whataburger. It's so good. Oh. Uh, what, but we don't have them up good. here in Ohio. Wow. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm, I'm learning more about this state on this show than I've learned in. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, Very good. We'll, I've we'll only keep, seen we'll keep moving on. in Florida. Yeah. Saving, saving grace. Number of Walmart super centers Ooh. in Alabama. <laughs> it's just I'm high. Gonna say, I'm going to say 150. Is it higher or lower than 150? Um, lower. Yeah. I'm going lower. That is correct. Oh. Yes. Yeah. 101. There's 101 Walmarts, uh, Walmart supercenters. All right, here's the big one. All right, number of Dollar General stores in Alabama. <laughs> I'm going to say 475, but the real number is higher or lower than that. Uh, that would be uh, probably lower. Wow. wow. Are you serious? Listen to wow. this. James, 
Your state has $675 general stores. That's horrible. I bet you I'm the the only guy that's been on on this show that's been in the Dollar General in Gordo, Alabama. (laughs) I have been in there. (laughs) That is the greatest place to do social science work. If you want to know how the warning process is working and how you're doing, go into the Dollar General. Talk to the 10 people. Talk yes. to the ten people that. Yes. Nice. It's like cheers. And Norm walks in. It's like Norm. Hey. All right. All right. No, three more left here. Number of Chick Fil A stores in Alabama. Uh, I'm going to say 75, but is the real number higher or lower? Higher. Very good. Oh, it is nice. 80. It, 80 Chick Fil A's. Um, this one might be uh, close to your heart. Number of Radio Shack stores in Alabama. I'm going to say 20. Is the number higher or lower? Lower. Very good. Yeah. It is lower. Down to eight. There's wow. eight. I thought, I thought, aren't yeah, they out of business? Yeah. 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 Well, I think they restructured. <laughs> restructured. They need to put it in a Dollar General store. <laughs> All right. Exactly. All right. The last one. Here's the last one. And I haven't heard of this. Uh, and some of you may have. But the number of Milo's hamburgers. Milo's hamburgers. Oh, boy. That's number of place. Milo's hamburgers in Alabama. I'm going to say 14. Is the number higher or lower than 14? Higher. It is nice. 15. You got oh, it. Oh, wow. What's Milo's? Someone tell That's me what Milo's is. I don't know. So, so, so uh, you, have you guys heard of In-N-Out Burger in California? Yes. Oh, I love In-N-Out Burger. It, it, it's kind of the same thing here. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a local chain, and it's awesome. Uh, it's very good. I, uh, of all the burger chains, I'd say my favorites, and I probably shouldn't say this on here because we're not supposed to <laughs> endorse anybody, but I, I, what a burger in Milo's. They're awesome. They're there, you okay. yeah. there you go. Well, great job, James. Appreciate it. Uh, well done on that. We're going to do this. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast, you'll get to hear the Titan U Minute with Chris Sanner. So stay right here. We'll be back with James and the Freaks to discuss if we'll ever have unified weather communication across government or media, or if it's all just a pipe dream. And now it's time for the Titan U Minute with Chris Satter. Today, we're going to put our heads into the clouds and talk a bit about winds just above the surface in what we call the 850 millibar level. This is part of the atmosphere where what we call the low-level jet resides. And the reason for us being up here? I want to talk 850 winds and tornadoes. Honestly, 850 winds are one of the elements I think a lot of newer chasers tend to discount and overlook, but they play such an integral part in seeing conditions really ripen for tornadoes. First, there's wind speed. On the Great Plains in Tornado Alley, and let's assume that's what this whole discussion is focused on, 850 winds of anything less than 25 knots tend to be less and less conducive for tornadoes. Personally, my ears perk up at 30 or 35 knots depending on the direction. And let's talk direction. Anything west of due south on the plains is associated with fewer and fewer strong tornado events as the winds veer further to the west. Hence, the more southwest your 850 winds, the less favorable they are traditionally for tornadoes. But at south, or in an idealized world south-southeast, it's game on. May 26, 2017 is a prime example of how important A50 winds are. On that day, we had near record instability in Oklahoma, and wind shear was more than adequate for supercells. But storms largely struggled to organize in the low levels and produce tornadoes. 
The reason for this? The 850 winds were both west of due south and relatively weak. As 850 winds picked up in the evening and backed further to the east, a small tornado event occurred across south central Oklahoma. For me, all things being equal, the 850 winds are the key. Hey, at Tornado Titans, we have an ambitious content plan coming into 2018. We have new Titan new courses, new episodes of Wild Weather, and more. To join in on the fun, simply visit us at tornadotitans.com. We'll see you next time. All right, I'll tell you what. We, we would be remiss to have James Spann on the show and not talk about unified weather messaging, which I know is a hot button for him and many others. But the challenge is competition right now for viewers, subscribers, clients, all of that. It's created an environment in commercial and media weather where right now everyone's trying to outdo or upsize the other, which is creating this spectrum of, of different forecasts, warning terms, and of course, good old clickbait. So no one is saying the same thing anymore, and it's creating more confusion and hence more risk to the general public. So my question, uh, James and Freaks, is, is really, first off, how, why has this gotten out of control? Uh, I think it's pressure uh, in a lot of cases to bring in ratings and revenue and to be different and to be first and to be best and to be most aggressive. And I, I'm afraid we're going down a really bad path. Uh, we, I can prove it. I can prove it from social science studies that inconsistent messaging from station A, B, C, D, the weather channel, AccuWeather, your phone app, inconsistent messaging during life-threatening weather. Forget the normal day. Forget that. We, that's fine. But on life-threatening days, tornadoes, inconsistent messaging and confusion leads to inaction. And inaction will lead to a higher, higher mortality rate. We'll have more people killed. And as a weather enterprise, we've got to stop this madness. We've got to stop it. As influencers, we need to come together and, and not say it in the same way, but communicate the same message. And uh, I, I think we can make we just start with call to action statements. How about that? Uh, there's a tornado warning. You're in the polygon. What do you do? You turn on one channel. They say, if you're not underground, you won't survive. You turn on the next channel. They say, get in your car and drive. You turn on the next channel and they say you need to be in a small room on the lowest floor. What in the world is Joe Q public supposed to figure out? And people say, well, people just watch one channel. No, they don't. We've learned that people click around. They're looking that they will surf the channels looking for somebody focusing on their neighborhood or their community. And it, let's start with call to action statements. Can we do that? Can we come together as a weather enterprise and we all communicate the same message? I think we can. Some people say it's never going to happen. I will challenge that. I think we can do that. In fact, we're going to work on that at the NWA meeting in St. Louis here uh, toward the end of next month with some influencers. And I think we can start. Let's just start with that. But then you go beyond that with all these severe weather indices. And, you you know, the, the Torcon thing, it, it puts a bug up my butt real bad. And if you've heard me talking about this, and it, it's nothing on Dr. Forbes. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. I love Dr. Forbes. People say, what's the problem with Torcon? You watch the Weather Channel, and he gives it a 7. So I get all these emails, what's the Torcon? I have no idea what that means. And so, it, it, but what these stations might do, well, if the Weather Channel's doing one, we're going to do a DEFCON. And ours is going to be a bigger <laughs> number than his. If he's doing a 7, we're going to do an 8. Or we're going to do a, a 12 or a 15 or an 18. And, and then everybody's got a different number. 
and what, what, is, what in the world does that mean? Uh, you know, we, we've got to come together on outlooks prior to an event and the warning process itself. We are, I am telling you guys, we're headed down a bad path. I can see it coming one day where individual stations are going to be issuing their own watches and warnings, individual mm-hmm. cable channels, individual entities where they think they're smarter than, um, r- you know, Rich Thompson and John Hart at the SPC. We're going to do our own watches. That, aren't they? Aren't some uh, already doing that, James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, and yeah. again, I mean, my, yeah. my objective is not to call out anybody here. And understand for those that are doing some of these rogue things, their bosses make them do it. Yes. You know, my boss might That's come right. in here tonight and make me do something I don't want to. And my choice just to leave or to stay right. and to do it. And, you know, it, it's hard. But So the corporate owners have, have to be involved in this as well. But, uh, yeah, there's clearly some markets where they're doing their own warnings and their own watches right now. And Lord have mercy if Channel you know, 11 has a tornado warning from my neighborhood. Channel 8 doesn't have one. Channel 6 does. Channel 4 kind of has us on the line. It's more confusion. So, in my opinion, the severe weather outlooks ought to come from SPC. I'm not, nobody likes the wording, you know, slight. I don't like that. Nobody likes that. But you can use numbers. We, however you communicate that, let, let's use that. I think that the uh, uh, severe weather indices, goodness, we've had STP for how long? And again, that's a Rich Thompson and John Hart product. You can see how the sausage is made. The Hmm. math is on the SPC website. It's a darn good formula that's worked extremely well during violent tornado outbreaks here. Why can't we use that as a weather enterprise instead of having a proprietary deal? I can see some stations sitting around the conference room eating Subway sandwiches. Are we going to do a six or a seven or eight today? You know, what's it going to be? I don't like that. And and here's the other problem, too. And this is this is a big thing in local television, and it drives me nuts. And I'm so thankful we don't do it here, but we, we might have to one day. Weather stations will declare a weather alert day or yeah. a weather emergency day or a weather action day or a red code red day. Mm-hmm. And all the buzzers are going off and the little flashing lights and the, the station website changes red. And, and they're doing it for f- days with fog. They're doing it with days where we might have a breeze of over 10 miles an hour. Nothing to do with severe weather, but they're learning that this might enhance their ratings if you declare a weather emergency day. But that's going to burn people out. They'll be so sick of this stuff, and I, I just I don't like that. So Maz, we we got to head no, this off the pass. Well, uh, I, and I was curious, Maz, what you what you've seen or what you remember seeing? What was were multiple stations doing different things, or was the station you were working at? trying to focus on something to set them apart. Excuse me. I'll tell you, it started in the news departments where everything eventually became breaking news. And then the weather department gets sucked into that. And the powers above, like James is saying, is saying, Hey, you're going to, you're going to say it this way, or you're going to hit the highway. And and Mm -hmm. that's what happens. So we were starting to see that. Well, we've been seeing it. It's, it's just white noise now. And I was sitting here thinking as, I, as I'm listening to you, James, and I'm not trying to blow smoke here, it's going to take somebody like you that's going to start a grassroots movement to get first on a local scale to buy into the national. So it's coming from the, and then it goes to the state level, not legislature and I mean, it could, but I'm just saying you're going to, you're going to, it'll almost have to be a social peer pressure thing where we follow the blah, 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 blah guidelines. And 
just like, you know, we're a weather ready nation and hey, I want to be a weather ready nation. I want to be, I want to be part of that. And I see somebody like yourself starting that it's going to start small and it's going to build wildfire across the country. I really do. Well, and I, it's going to take a group of us of influencers yeah, yeah. and, and that that's what we're doing in St. Louis, uh, at NWA, we, we're going to have, and this is not in the you know program you're going to get if you're going to nwa it's it's by invitation only but we're, we, we've, we've hand selected some people that we think can come together and make a difference and these are people that work for cable outlets and people that work for local channels and people that have different owners and start that grassroots movement and i honestly think we can really accomplish some good so i'm very excited we, we were going to do it last year but a stinking tropical system came up and ruined everything so but we're going to we're going to do it again this year and that's and not going to happen this year well, yeah <laughs> right? they, they've got nwa in august i mean come on man you know what's going to happen there's going to be a category five hurricane in the gulf down here yeah. but but if we can make this thing happen i i think it will start that in most media Neurologists, most practitioners on my level, we want to do the right thing. As I talk with people, they're under this pressure. And I, I you're exactly right. It started in the newsroom with breaking news. You know, some guy steals a Twix bar from a 7 <laughs> Eleven. Breaking news, we're starting tonight. And I said, Come on, man. I mean, this is insanity. And it's these consultants. And, you know, as, but uh, unfortunately, but, I think it's all going to start with a tragedy. It's going to take a tragedy for people to get their head out of there. You know what? And come on board and say, this is it because you hit the nail on the head with the word pressure because all I think in the meteorology community, people do want to do the right thing. And meteorologists are really doing the best forecast they can. They're looking at the national weather service. They're looking at the storm prediction center, but it's the people above them putting it down to them saying, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to hype it. You got to hype it. And let's um, make everything a big deal. And then people get complacent and they get confused. I just think that uh, you hit you when you said the word pressure, that is exactly right. Because if they don't right. do it and they're in a contract, they're going to be hitting the highway and they're going to get somebody right out of school not to say they can't do it, but they're going to lose all that experience because they will do exactly what they are told. Right. And I, I um, you know, it, I work for a big, big, big company and, and they have been marvelous to leave me alone. And I am so thankful for that. But I know it's not that way everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that pressure is something we need to get off these people. And I think one, and people say, well, what do you do? Well, you can't police this, but I do believe the national organizations can step in to help us, specifically the AMS and the NWA, especially the AMS. The gold standard in my business in terms of certification, it's the AMS CBM, Certified Broadcast Meteorologist. This involves your academics from college. This involves your performance on air, your content, it involves a rigorous written examination. This, this is like our bar exam. Uh, I do believe that if somebody goes rogue and starts to issue their own warnings or they just totally go way out of line, there needs to be some penalty to where that's actually taken away or maybe they don't have the ability to get that. But and, if it's that coming sounds, from their boss, James, if it's coming from the boss and not them, are you penalizing the wrong person? Right. That Well, that's the thing. Um, probably so. But still, the boss should know, all right, well, if you want your guy here to have a CBM on the air displayed, you better lay off of him. And I think there's enough of us that have been around for a long time that have the ability to do this. And I know a lot of people in this business. So I can go to some of these ownership groups. I'll be glad to speak with any of them. 
and uh, there's some pretty good owners. Not all of them. There's there's some foul balls. I mean, but but I, I would like to try and come up with a win 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 for all of us. And, and the meteorologists, the practitioners down here, we want to do the right thing. I, I know a very few rogue, true rogue meteorologists. There's one or two probably, but anyway, that that's something that's very important to me because again, what happened here seven years ago? Two hundred and fifty-two people died. Uh, one of the reasons was confusion, high false alarms, inconsistent messaging. And there's a lot of other things too. Siren dependency. I could go on and on about that, but we can work on this confusion. So the first thing we're going to try and tackle in August, it's the call to action statement. And it's, I don't even want to deal with map colors. That's a night. I will never get, I've given up on map colors because if you turn in every station in the market, they've all got different colors for watches and warnings, even across NOAA, the, the colors are different on their social media feeds. I, I've given up on that, but let's just start with the call to action statements. Can we agree based on engineering? We're going to bring in some, some of the best engineers, like a Tim Marshall. I don't know if you guys know Tim, mm -hmm. brilliant engineer, meteorologist. Let, let's, let's get the call to action statements right across NOAA and the broadcasters and EMs, everybody. And let's agree on that. And if we can agree on the call to action statements, then we're going to tackle everything else. We got a is, lot of work to do. And that, that's is, what energizes me is fixing all this. Is one of the problems though, James, of, of pulling all that together is you got two different races going on. You've got the, the national weather service and NOAA, a government entity. And then you have all these private entities that can make decisions and make changes a lot faster than knowing the National Weather Service can. There's two different races going on. So if you're trying to get people on the same page, is how do you fix that challenge? How do you win right, that well, challenge? The, the first thing you have to determine is that are the National Weather Service call to action statements valid? Are they giving good advice? Are they excellent? And if not, let's get them fixed and let's get them fixed now. And Dr. Ussolini is on board with this. He understands the urgency of this. And I don't think it's going to take them. And, and quite frankly, their call to action statements are not that bad. If you look at them, are they perfect? Nope, but they're not that bad. And let's take those and see if we need to make any changes based on engineering understanding. And again, I'm, I'm not a mechanical engineer, but let's look at those that understand the damage and the safety elements. And let's get the mobile, let's get the weather service standardized on the call to action statement and let's all agree as broadcasters and EMs and everybody else to use the call to action statements and not go rogue, you know, not to tell somebody to go drive, not tell somebody you've got the, the, the biggest thing I'm hearing now, uh, people say, well, I hear you've got to be underground to survive a tornado. And that's not true. It's not true. It, oh, it might be in one out of a hundred cases, but you can't play those odds and people can't dig a hole. And most people don't have underground shelters for most people. If they're in a lowest floor in a site built structure in a bathroom or a closet or a hall, they're fine. And so we've just got to fix that and come across with a standard message. Hey, James, I was just sitting here listening and thinking, <clears throat> maybe it has to go to the general managers. And so maybe <clears throat> our station is part of the UWI network where that's uniform weather, uniform weather information across the board. And then they have something else that they can say, yeah, we're part of whatever that is. It's a good idea. Yeah, and, and, and I will say I, I do have some, I've got a few little cards I'm holding. The National Association of Broadcasters is interested in getting involved. Um, the FCC, I don't, I, I don't like going down that FCC path. I'm not a big government regulation guy. I, I don't like that. That could open up a whole new can of worms. That is a slippery slope. But I think if the NAB gets involved, that could be very important. Um, and, you know, we're always going to have rogue people on the Internet. You know, goodness, we, we can't do it. We, 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 as broadcasters, people that are doing what we do, 
we can fix this. And, and with the help of the AMS, NWA, NAB, other broadcast trade groups, I think we can make that happen. The, the NAB could play a huge role in this by, by having some type of standard that TV stations should be adopting. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I'll tell you what, we always ask people, let us know what you guys think of the subject. You can email us at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and tag us your thoughts so we can share it on our next show. We're going to go ahead and take our final break. You can refill your drink. When we come back, it's time to share some WX resources and find out this week how you can prevent weather fools. Hi, this is Gary England. It's Friday night in the big town, baby, all dressed up, no place to go. Jump back, throw me down Loretta. Hey, be sure and listen in every week, right? Every week, the Stormfront Freaks podcast, baby, it's the best in the world. Oh, yes. Welcome back. Welcome back. I will tell you, if you're not watching us on Raw, you're missing lots of stuff. (laughs) I'm just saying. Okay. Well, welcome back. Time now for WX Resources, the places you can go to find out new, interesting, fascinating information, weather technology, anything like that. We're going to start off ladies first. Dino, what's your weather resource for tonight? All right. I thought this was pretty good. And this is like maybe for people who are just starting in weather and learning how to read a METAR, which is mainly your hourly report. Uh, it's under the Aviation Weather Center, and it's a long um, website, so just check episode 57 show notes, but it's under aviationweather.gov, um, and mainly what it is is you can put an ID for a station in, like for here in Atlanta, it would be like KFFC for Peachtree City, and you get the actual METAR, which is coded, and people have to learn how to read it, but it decodes the whole thing underneath it. So that's what's cool. And it's not, you know, it's not a lot to uh, explain. But uh, if you're trying to learn METARs and you want it decoded for you, Aviation Weather Center is what you got. Does it have like a key code or, or what, what is it when you say below it? Like um, you have, it's just like a list. So you have, you say you want the METAR for Peachtree City. You type in the code, like the, the KFFC, which is Peachtree City. It will actually show you the whole METAR, which would be like, and you've got like, say, 130153Z. Well, what is all that, you know, mm-hmm. and how to read the temperature, but below it, it'll say temperature 76 degrees Fahrenheit or 24.4 degrees Celsius. Okay. And then below that, it gives you the dew point and the pressure and the winds and all that. So it, it, it helps you for learning if you're trying to learn how to read a METAR. Cool. Easy. Yeah, I like it. All right. I could have used that on my exam and call it. Yeah. I mean, this would have been great because, you know, I mean, I learned more surface essays than METARs um, and a lot of things decode for you anyway, but you've got to learn if you're a student. And I, I kind of like that. Oh yeah. We had to decode. We, I mean, it was on tests. We'd have a METAR report and we'd have uh-huh. to decode it. And I was like, Oh my God, this yeah. is brutal. Well, Brady. there's plenty of websites that just Googled any kind of like decoder um, well, whether it's I couldn't METAR. during the test. I couldn't during well, the no, test. no, but like if you're training, like anything for Hurricane Jeez. Dana, it'll all decode. Brady, you could use that on your job interview. I'm just saying. Oh my! I could, use, I could <laughs> use a little alcohol in my job interview. <laughs> <laughs> calm the nerves a little bit. Jeez. 
What do you like, Arthur? I'm right for the job. <laughs> I remember that movie. <laughs> All right, Phil, what do you have? Well, I have got from the American Meteorological Society, the good old AMS, uh, they issued an information statement uh, recently for weather safety at venues and public gatherings. So very helpful. Uh, we'll have the uh, website link uh, there in our show notes. But one of the, the uniquenesses to this is especially if you – uh, are responsible for anything that goes on outside. Maybe you are a coach uh, or a league director of some sports league, uh, outdoor sports league. Maybe you are in charge of some camps this summer that are held outside. Maybe you have a job that works for, uh, you know, a, a Parks and Rec, uh, or for example, like myself, I work at a, a university athletic department. Um, this is very important because not only does it kind of set the standards for severe weather uh, at outdoor events and actions to take and standards to follow, but uh, part of this little information resource is they provide other resources and links to things like they have uh, the lightning safety toolkit. They have access to uh, uh, event safety guide authored by the Event Safety Alliance. Best practices and guides provided by the National Center for Spectator Sports, Safety, and Security. Um, all kinds of other resources on there to check and, and certainly help you with safety for your outdoor group that you might be responsible for uh, and certainly help you with litigation if you are following these particular standards. Man, umpires. I will tell yes. you, they yes. all need to go. I've been to games where I'm like, did you not see and hear that? You know? Yeah, my God. Boom. Yes. Good grief. And parents, they ought to they ought to say something when that happens. Sorry not to get yes. on the soapbox, mm -hmm. but somebody's got to say something. All right. That was a good one. I like that, Phil. All right. So in case you missed where you can find that information, you can check us out on stormfrontfreaks.com, episode 57, show notes, and we will have all the links to those locations. All right, Brady, I know you want to say it. All right, guys. You know what, Maz? That was great. That was, that was great <laughs> weather resources. But I'm going to transition now to the Weather Fools. It's everyone's favorite part of the show where us as the freaks are going out on the internet. We're going out on Twitter. We're going out on YouTube. Whatever social media platform what you guys have. Snapchat. I don't do that nowadays. But we're looking for videos. We're looking for tweets that... You know, are just not very smart. They're stupid. They're they're <laughs> weather fools. We're looking for those types of people. We're going to bring those to you live here on the show. Phil, who is your weather fool this week? All right, so I'm I'm going to start this off. Mine, unfortunately, is going to be a, a little somber. So you guys know, I mean this this has been a great little segment. It gives us an opportunity to have fun, uh, poke at people that are just doing outrageously stupid things in weather situations Brady's you talked about. Um, however, sometimes that leads to uh, unfortunate things. And so what, what I'm going to share tonight is actually uh, a situation where it took someone's life. Uh, this was earlier this month uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. They had some flash flooding, and there was a, a sports radio host. Actually, the individual was uh, an announcer and radio host uh, for Drake University, which is actually where I went to graduate school. And uh, he had been with Drake University for a number of years, uh, but unfortunately he tried driving through uh, a flooded area. It says witnesses told police uh, that he was swept away as he got out of his stalled van 
and his body was found nearly four hours later, several blocks away. So Aww. when 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 we talk about weather fools, you know, and, and we poke fun, and I'm even wearing a shirt tonight that says, you know, only you can prevent weather fools. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the truth is is you can these are all decisions and these decisions can be made to prevent life from being taken away and you're the one that can prevent it and so we do have fun with this we do poke fun at people doing stupid stuff but part of it is also as an awareness piece to say hey don't do this stuff and and just to share with you this was an example of unfortunately what can happen uh when you do do that because it, it can take your life. Yeah, that, that's sad. I think, Phil, you kind of read my mind, honestly. Um, I usually let Dina go next, but I'm going to go next because mine's along the same lines. Um, this is, you know, my weather for this week. Uh, so there were 15 soldiers um, down in, um, you guys may have seen this, in Fort Jackson, which... Um, and they were at a U.S. Army base, and they were out on a run, and there was a thunderstorm, and um, you know, lightning struck near them, and they were all hospitalized. Thankfully, they were all okay, um, but you know, they're still in the hospital. Um, and you know, and I want to show a picture too for those that are watching, because um, really, you know, lightning can strike up to five to ten miles away from a storm. Um, this was this was a for those that are on raw. And I'll, I'll post this picture as well. This was a storm down in Florida. Wow. Can you guys, can you guys see that? That's incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw this on Twitter today. I mean, this is this, this is lightning. Lightning can, like, just because you're not, it's not raining and just because you don't see a cloud above your head does not mean lightning cannot strike where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, five to ten miles is the general range. So, you know, you really have to abide by when thunder roars, go indoors, be safe, people, because stuff like this can happen. I mean, this happened yesterday. So it's very, very important, like Phil said, um, to take this stuff seriously because, um, you know, it, weather is weather is dangerous. You know, it's it's interesting. We all love it, but it, it Mother Nature can be very, very dangerous. So on a lighter that, note, yeah, go was ahead. Was that five miles away? Is that what you said? How far it went? To uh, I don't, I don't know how far that was away. Um, but I've heard was. a lot farther too, and it could be yeah. underground because you yeah. really wouldn't hear it probably the the sound would eventually kind of muffle itself out at that kind of distance yeah i mean five to ten miles is generally what they say um but i've heard lots i've heard even farther oh yeah that was a good example too that was a good example though you could see that it was that lightning strike even though it came from the thunderhead was nowhere you know under did not come straight down that's an incredible and and i have i mean i i took when i was down in florida last year i took a picture not like that i mean it was but it was similar in the lightning strike was just way outside of the thunderstorm so Hmm. it you know you just got to be careful of that kind of stuff so all right on a lighter note Mm -hmm. dina you're weather fool. Hopefully it's something funny. We need we need cheered up here, Dina. It is. And and this one, it's um it's it's mainly like a um it's this guy, he's surfing this monster wave. This thing is huge and it actually just consumes him. Oh, and it, it's so it. big, and it reminds me Good of that Lord. Patrick's that Pat when Patrick Swayze went into that point break. Yeah, point break. This was so big. Look at how small that is. In this video, you got to look at it because he's so tiny on this monster wave and it overtakes him. And if I've watched it a couple (laughs) times, I've tried to hold my breath that long. I can't even hold my breath that long. 
And luckily you see him come up at the end because oh, I wouldn't have shown it if he had died. But at the end you see all these like wave runners coming out to see if he's okay. But this looks like it's a couple stories high. Oh um, yeah. Easily. It's, oh, it's really. insane. Yeah. It looks, it looks like the wave from Lord of the Rings when it can yeah. yes. those horses on, on the, on the first one. I mean, it's just crazy. It's massive. Where, yeah. where was that? Um, I want to say I'll what is this? Like Marcelo Luna? I don't know where that is, but I don't either. Um, I don't know where well, we'd have to Google, but you could see at the end he's like raising his hand, and the wave runners are out there. But that was the I'm not like, quite dead yet. <laughs> and I couldn't have held my breath that long because he had to be spinning and everything oh, yeah. there. Big time. You had to come up with water up your nose. That's Big for, time. Sure. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Another case, man. Mother Nature, she is brutal. Um, yep. You got to take her seriously, people. So that was good. We had uh, some good for, uh, some good weather fools this week. We're going to post all of those on our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. Look under the show 57 show notes. Phil, what do we got next? Well, I, I don't know. We'll see if we have any. MJ, we have any listener questions and responses uh this week? We, we, we've got a couple. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so JLP329, um, whoever, but thank you, gave us a five-star rating Yay, on thanks, iTunes. Buddy. Yeah. Awesome. And, said, and they said, I thoroughly enjoy this podcast. I'm a weather enthusiast with a limited science background. I have learned so much by listening during my morning and evening commutes and have had lots of laughs in the process. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend the freaks. Woohoo! So, nice. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. He wants swag. I mean, <laughs> apparently, I don't know who it is. So, um, and then a couple I want to share just a couple of things from our viewers tonight. Um, Josh uh, says, "Great show, thank you," and 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 was participating in the chat this evening. Um, and Kyle, I, I thought this was appropriate because of some of the things that we talked about and that James uh, talked about. He says, "Love the show. I'm heading off to school for meteorology this August." Oh. Oh, uh, and, nice. and your podcast plus some others are just making me even more excited than I already am. Entertaining and informative. So good luck, Kyle, this fall. Hey, you can luck, do buddy. it. If you're going to Ohio State, Kyle, say hi to Dr. Hobgood. For yeah. That's right. We love Hobgood. <laughs> so that's what we got tonight. Very Thanks, good. everybody. Very good. Well, hey, that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. As always, thanks for listening uh, and watching, if that's the uh, case. Before I share the reveal of our next guest, if you do enjoy the show, uh, do us a favor and leave us a great review on your podcast app like um, JLP329. JLP, JLP there we go. Uh, just like they did on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a great review. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to the show. All you have to do is uh, on your podcast app, if you're listening to us on your phone or whatever, all you got to do is there's a subscribe button. And you, all you, got, you can do this right now. Just uh, look at it, hit the subscribe button. All that does is just make sure that you don't have to try and find us. Uh, next time we have a show that we get released, you'll have it show up in your uh, podcast app right away just like a newspaper or, or magazine subscription so don't forget to subscribe uh special thanks to our guest tonight james Spann. yeah outstanding yeah. yeah he was uh he was outstanding and our next episode in two weeks we'll be recording on july 26th with popular storm chaser and musician hank skyma also known as picos hank so uh, that ought to be a good one. If, if you'd like to watch the recording live, it's at 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. 
check out uh, our YouTube channel by searching Stormfront Freaks. You'll find us all right there. So for MJ, Maz, Brady, and Dina, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and we will catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Watch our shows on YouTube and Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our live interactive Storm Chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.